Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And this week, well, we're celebrating for a number of reasons. Training camp has started. Uh, the Dream Drive is back. Packers are riding bikes to practice. And Aaron Nagler is here, which is just, you know, maybe the best reason for us to celebrate this week. So, Aaron, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Always a celebration when I talk to you guys. No doubt about it. Woo! <laughs> that's yes. my contribution yes we're very happy to have you we are looking at you right now with lambo in the background Thanks. very jealous yes very very jealous um looks like a beautiful sunshiny day i'll tell you the whole time i've been in wisconsin has been gorgeous and especially perry you know coming from new york it was absolutely disgusting <laughs> the week before i left and then land here, here and it has been absolutely beautiful the entire time yeah. i've been in been here so yes out of this phenomenal. place um i definitely need to get out of this <laughs> hole of 87 percent humidity yeah um, no, no fun no good yeah. but maggie said it best it's training camp you have three practices now under your belt well let's really call them two 2.5 like 2. today 5. today's yeah. was a walkthrough and it was very very subdued and it was good it was a great vibe though they have uh, a new tent that they have up on the sideline for friends and family, That's which cool. is good and bad because it's, it's, they've cut off as we used to be able to walk up and down the entirety of the field, but now we can't go on the far end anymore, which I kind of gave them grief about, but they don't care, of course. <laughs> but today it was so cool because it was closed to the public. So there were no like visitors, nobody on the sidelines, no VIPs, whatever. So the families like just kind of walked up and down with us and the kids were running around like Randall Cobb's kids were running around the sideline. <laughs> I met Aida Cobb for the first time in person. Like we've known each other online forever, but never met. And just things like, it was so cool just to have like LaFleur's boys were there. Like, it was the vibe today was so cool. But as far as the practice goes, it was very, very subdued. A walkthrough as Matt said it was going to be, and uh, was very short. So the totality of what we've seen so far, and they're still in shorts, is not entirely indicative probably of what we're going to see, you know, the rest of camp. But it's been a good start. There's been a lot of interesting developments. There's no doubt about that. What do they get out of practices like today? Is this more like good football question. IQ, learning the playbook kind of stuff, just walking in? A lot camp? of that, yes. Um, no question about the idea of on both sides of the ball, right? Like here's the call. What is your responsibility? You know, and it's all, I mean, it's not even, I wouldn't even say three quarters speed. It's like half speed. Maybe they're walking through until if it's a pass play, Aaron throws the ball, the DBs will be in position, but then they will absolutely not make a play on it. And whoever it's intended to will go up and get it. Um, but it is, it's all about your assignments, right? And taking the classroom work, everything you've studied, not just here in camp, but all off season and putting, putting it on its feet, so to speak, you know, making sure that, you know, and it's all recorded. It's all taped. So they'll go back and they'll look at it and see who's doing what. And, oh, mm. you you stepped wrong here. You know, it's down to that kind of detail as far as like the offensive line coaches will look and say, all right, well, on this play, you've got to get, you know, a wider stance or better depth or, you know, you're pulling here. But we want to make sure you pull at two yards, not three yards, et cetera. Um, you know, the blocking schemes as far as there was one point today where we saw uh, Rodgers made an adjustment on the line of scrimmage. 
and called for slide protection to the right. And AJ was, you know, basically alone to pick up Rashawn Gary in pass pro. And he's, you know, stuck in there and was fine. And then afterwards, I saw Aaron talk to him and I asked AJ in the locker room, like, what was that about? And he said, well, you know, Aaron said, if you get a free rusher like that, just leak out, you know, because he's free. He's got to commit to coming after me. So I dumped the ball to you and you just go for 20 yards probably. So it's just things like that, you know, some adjustments on the field, but lots of work upstairs in your head, like making sure you know exactly what's expected of you for every call. That's really interesting too, because do you think there's, I mean, if you ask the floor, you know, it's designed a certain way and I'm sure there's like, you know, the steno and the LeFleur idea where it's like, no, AJ, we want you right there protecting the franchise. That's a thousand percent it. AJ said like my, my job is to take Rashawn Gary. Yeah in that play. But he said, you know, he joked, he was like, just, I, cause I asked him, I was like, what was that convo about? He said, Oh, just 200 IQ level stuff. He's like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers stuff, you know, stuff yeah. that only he can think of or see. Um, but yeah, it, Maggie, I had that kind of similar thought, like, well, you want to get a plus grade on your video or, you know, when they're yeah. going back and grading you, you want to be able the coaches to give you a good grade, but that is your quarterback. And he's asking you to do something. But also when it comes to playtime, like, you know Mm -hmm. who's going to be mad when... 100%. When you don't do what's being asked. Yeah. No question about it. Yeah, because if that leaks out for 30 yards and a first down or a touchdown, the floor is going to be like, all right, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) whatever. essentially. Um, I love to hear that. That's really interesting. It's definitely like a... um, it's kind of like when you when you get back to school and you had to do like summer reading and then all of a sudden you get like that's a really reading, good actually that's you know good. like a pop quiz yep. and it's like who actually read the who book did the reading yeah yeah this right. that's what today was for them right. like who, who, who on did the record that? I always did the reading I don't know oh, about you Perry Maggie but. that's the least surprising thing you have ever said <laughs> um, I also always did the reading also so. not a surprise <laughs> yeah. And but, I'm glad yeah. I can be the counterbalance to say I never did the reading so yeah. it's good so you it's read good. the Cliff Notes which yeah. Maybe, not on the maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Maggie, cool. I'm glad you brought up Steno because what I found interesting was that when they were, it's the first time in the three days we've been here where they had two distinct separate groups working at the same time. They had the ones and the twos, basically kind of cycling through the twos and the threes on the other side. And Matt was in charge of the ones, obviously, and Steno was running the twos. And it was really interesting to see kind of what he was well, I'm trying to decipher what he's looking at, right? Mm-hmm. And how he's dealing with Jordan Love and Danny Etling and the things that he's kind of coaching people up on, whether it is the offensive line, because that's obviously his background, but also, you know, telling a tight end, like, look, we, you need to kind of cut this off here or uh, somebody who came in motion, like, no, 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 you got to wait and do it this timing. Like, it was interesting to see Steno in a different light, right? We're so used to the last three years he's been strictly with the offensive line when you come to camp and now that's his baby now the offense is you know he's the coordinator and he's got to make sure everybody involved is doing the right thing across the board so that's kind of the first real kind of look we've got at steno as more than just an offensive line coach has he does he feel different like do you think he's like assumed it's more like leadership role or is he exactly as he's always been yeah it's funny you say that because i keep waiting for him to pop off like he's been very vocal in past summers uh getting after his offensive line charges and so far he's been pretty quiet but i assume at some point we're gonna hear steno bellowing out but yeah no so so far he's been pretty businesslike from what i what i can say 
I was going to say, I wonder, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, especially if you're a franchise like the Jets or the Browns, like you're used to the turnover of coaching staffs. But I'd be curious what it's like for those guys in the locker room to go from a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, who is so outspoken Mm -hmm. and so bubbly, who has always kind of been more reserved, like to see him in that role. And, you know, he can do it and his pressers have been excellent, but we just haven't seen him have to take on that that kind of leadership role yet. What's interesting, I'm glad you said that, because what's interesting is I remember two two summers ago i i i kind of attended virtually um a coaching clinic that he was in that was the whole reason i paid for it so because i knew he was one of the presenters uh, i think that was called the cool clinic and it was really interesting cool. to see how he it, it was very cool how he came to life like having to present something right and i gotta think that's part of the gig right getting mm-hmm. up in front of the room not just the offensive line now but the entirety of the offense that's something you've got to work at. That's something you're probably always working at. And it might be the kind of thing that holds other guys back and maybe they struggle with or have to work on. But yeah, in the coaches clinic, he was really engaging and he put up so many interesting kind of nuggets as far as what you're looking at technique wise, like real minutia type stuff that I'd never think about just watching it live, but he broke down why these things are important and, I got to think that's the kind of thing that he's bringing now to the entirety of the offense. And I mean, he's obviously a teacher and someone who can reach his, his, his pupils, so to speak. Um, Yeah. Like I said, it really seems like he's kind of hitting the ground running, so to speak. That's great. Was there anyone that he was, so he said he was with the twos and threes, if you will. Anyone in that group that kind of surprised you that was over there and not with the ones or vice versa? Not really. I think they're like Matt was talking about this morning because they're kind of stressed with numbers, although they did get Sammy back. They got a couple other people back today. They have been stressed with numbers. So the delineation of the ones versus twos hasn't, I think has been pretty clear and pretty set. Um, The only kind of big change along the line today was Zach Tom wasn't with the ones. Uh, It was all um, uh, we had Yash at left and, they had Newman at right tackle, and then Cole Van Lannen got a little work. That's the first time that's happened in training camp. I know it happened quite a bit during the offseason work, but we hadn't seen that yet. But Zach Tom was back to strictly with the twos today. But other than that, there hasn't been much of a surprise as far as somebody not participating with yeah. one group or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're it's probably a little bit premature to ask something like this, but we are now officially like two weeks away from the first preseason game. So do you get a sense, you know, like I know Aaron Rodgers, you know, whether he plays or not, all signs right. point to him not doing that. But, you know, with Sammy Watkins coming back and just right now so far having a walkthrough, we know he'll get plenty of practice. But do you think that he'll play in the preseason? A lot of the starters will play in the preseason or because there's so many question marks as far as starting spots, like on the O-line, a lot of guys are going to get pressed into playing that maybe don't expect to play. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if Sammy Watkins played in the first, especially the first preseason game. I, or even probably the first two, I mean, he's a vet. He's done it. He's, he's bought the t-shirt, you know, it's, I don't think there's anything that he needs to learn. I mean, I know we talk about getting down the offense, right. And getting his timing with Rogers, but that can happen in practice. And they've got two joint practices that you guys are going to be at the saints practices that that's 10 times more valuable than anything. He's any work he's going to get in a preseason game. So yeah, I would, I would be surprised if, if he was, Um, but I think there are, there will most likely be some vets that, do get some work, and I am fascinated to see how it plays out, especially in light of 
how I don't want to say vocal, but how adamant they were last year about how not needing any work in the preseason and then laying a gigantic egg <laughs> against the Saints in week one. You do wonder if that has any kind of carryover and maybe they look to get just a little bit of work in the preseason because of it. So I was listening and bear with me on this preamble. But I was listening <laughs> to an interview the other night with Buck Showalter, who is um, obviously you know, with the Mets. And he was talking about how when guys like Max Scherzer, this was after Scherzer's start, he just kind of lets them lead, right? Like as a, as a, someone who's been in the league for so long and you see these vets, you kind of like take their lead on certain things, especially when it comes to preparation, how they feel in game, when they decide to take themselves out, things like that. And it got me thinking about, as Maggie just said, like, preseason a little bit when it comes to football and how people have all these opinions kind of about, well, how many snaps is Rogers going to play in the preseason? Like what's people have opinions (laughs) about Aaron Rogers. Yes. Or even any vet, right? Like how, what they're doing in the, what they should be doing, what they should be doing. Like what's the best strategy. And I was thinking to myself, like there's probably a little bit of a give and take at this point, especially with Aaron Rodgers, but also like guys like Randall Cobb, right. And Sam Hawkins and other vets who, know their bodies at this point and can say like, you know what? I think I only need one series or I'm just going to play in the third game to prep for week one. Um, And if I ever got the chance to ask Matt LaFleur that question, I would, but I would say like, is this, does it come to a point as a head coach where you just kind of let your vets lead when it comes to the amount of work that they need to do before the season starts? That's a really good question. Maybe I'll ask Matt that tomorrow. Thanks for that. I'm totally stealing that Um, because it is, I think that's a great point. Right. And I think, there's zero doubt because of the fact that these guys do train in a way now that, you know, when I was growing up anyway, a lot of athletes didn't in the off season. I mean, maybe they got, and Aaron is to this point now too, where you talked about it at his locker the other day where, you know, he got a little bit of throwing in at the gym or at the, you know, the facility where he works out in the off season, just a, you know, just a little bit to keep his arm loose and make sure, you know, he's, he's right as rain, so to speak, but he doesn't have throwing sessions. He doesn't have guys all like come to California and, you know, hang out and have a big deal about it. I think he knows his body, right? I mean, the man is coming off his second consecutive MVP. He knows what's necessary in the off season. And to your point, I think most of the vets who are on a, at least on a third contract, certainly know exactly what is necessary to be ready for the season. I would suspect, and I'm definitely want to ask Matt this I would suspect Matt's answer would align with that right I think the tricky part if you're Matt or any of the coaches like that have to put together whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in a preseason game especially like you're cobbling together yeah at some point like a, a roster has to be put out there and well this you know this guy thinks he needs three snaps well this guy needs two series and blah 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 well at some point you, I think you do have to put your foot down and say look I need to evaluate guys i need you know yeah. there's people fighting for roster spots and these this is our livelihood i think at some point as a coach you have to know all right i, I understand what your desires are but i also do need to do my job yeah I, th- I think it's really interesting to you know from perry's perspective on the vets and then if you flip it and talk about you know the rookie development like christian watson nobody knowing he had the leg injury and him being open enough you know most rookies would be like i gotta push this i gotta learn the playbook i gotta yeah. be on the field i'm a second round pick i'm you know highly touted i'm coming in here you know arguably to be the the wide receiver of the future all these expectations and he said no you know there's something that's not quite right I need to do what I can to get my body right so that I'm, I'm 
good for the stretch. And I think the maturity of that too is really interesting because it's not, not to discredit other rookies, but just to know his body enough that young of a player to come in and say, Hey, yes, I want these reps with Aaron Rodgers, especially, you know, and it's not a competition, but to have a guy like Romeo Dobbs having the kind of camp he's been having so early, Watson has just got to be like stewing on the sideline, doing everything possible to get back out there as soon as possible so that he can get those reps. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. As far as you know, I think there was probably a time where that wouldn't have been greeted, and I'm sure in some quarters of Twitter it isn't, but that, that you know, it wouldn't have been greeted with that kind of, that idea, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, he is a professional athlete, and he is stepping into a big role, and he is at least aware enough to know that, okay, I have to at least alert the Packers to what's going on. And then the moment Doc McKenzie finds out, of course, he's most likely going to be as cautious as possible. We know that usually the MO about the Packers, but... Yeah, I think it's a different age, right? And mm-hmm. I think rookies, quote unquote, who come in have played a lot of football. Like, and I know people talk about he went to a small school, et cetera, but he's played a lot of football and he knows his body and he knows better than anybody on this earth, like what he can take, what it needs, and when it's not right. So I'd much rather have him out there eventually and have him be 100% and have it right rather than, okay, he comes into camp. And here's the other thing then people start seeing whatever issues he might have or maybe he's holding up because of the injury or maybe he's not as effective as he could be if he was 100 percent. and then people start forming ideas and narratives and all this stuff around a kid who's just trying to fight through something but we don't know that and that's where i think it's smart to say like nope it ain't right let's get it right i think the worst that could have happened is he does say you know I'm new. Like I have to be out there. I have to do this catch. And I like under this like pressure that I'm sure he's still feeling. And he's working through something that ends up lingering for so long. And he doesn't get to be as valuable and as productive as he knows he can be. And then all of a sudden, and this happens, right? You hear, Oh, well, X player was actually like dealing with this injury all at the end of the season. All the time. Well, that explains why their production wasn't where you thought it was, et cetera. So I would so much rather have, even if he misses valuable preseason snaps, even if he misses the first game, it doesn't sound like it's that serious. Right. But I would much rather have him be healthy for the majority of the season too. So as as disappointed as I am, because I was really looking forward to seeing him in camp in a couple weeks. Agreed. Agreed. I hear you there. And especially... Like you said, the the pageantry, right? The trading up for him, and he is such a big specimen, and he is an exciting athlete, and you do want to see him out there with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, high side of caution, I think, is the smart way to go, no doubt. So we talked a little bit, obviously, or alluded to Romeo Dobbs having a good camp so far, but you know, do you? I guess. Do you, you mean future to... Hall of Famer Romeo Dobbs? Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, that guy, the the greatest to ever wear number eighty seven. Yeah, uh, absolutely, a thousand percent. <laughs> but is I'm 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 lobbying Canton to get his bust ready. Yeah, there you go. Prep it early. But so he uh, arguably a surprise, I guess. You know, considering his draft status and what that room looks like, but. If you could give us even like a top three, like biggest surprises and, or, you know, good or bad surprises as far as what you've seen, given this very, very small sample size before the pads have even come on. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's interesting because I mean, I think Zach Tom getting run with the ones right away was interesting. Um, Even though if it was just one day and it was funny because I'm, I'll hell, I'll I'll continue along the offensive line theme, um, you know, uh, seeing Royce Newman at tackle was a bit of a shock, I will say. Uh, now he's been put back at guard now. And I remember I did have some people on my stream who were like, 
rattling, they were saber rattling about, you know, this, how ridiculous it was and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's one day. And sure enough, things change the next day. And that's what this time, especially early in camp is for. They're going to move guys around. They're going to see, they're going to mix and match. They're going to see who fits where and who can maybe handle it, maybe continue to develop, et cetera. But I was surprised at some of those choices. Um, one of the pleasant surprises, at least for me so far, I didn't know anything about the kid's game, anything, was Danny Davis. He has made a play every single day, including today. Even at half speed, he made a really nice catch. And that first day, he had a fantastic catch up the left sideline where um, Jordan Love made a really nice play having to throw across his body while rolling to his left. But he put it kind of high, and Davis was in a perfect spot in the zone between the corner and the safety, and he absolutely skied like I'm way up to get this ball and came down with it, secured the catch, big play. Um, and then the next day on uh, yesterday, he had another one like in the red zone work where I just kind of did a double take and I had to make sure because he's wearing 20. I mean, if you're a wide receiver wearing number 20, it does not bode well for your chances of making the team. Right? I think that's something Aaron Rodgers even joked about last year on McAfee. But this kid made another really nice catch yesterday. And I thought, now, wait a second. And it is kind of interesting to note that he has gotten a few snaps with the ones, something that Toure has not had to happen yet, as far as I can kind of note, as going back and looking at it, kind of mental Rolodex, so to speak, over the first couple of days. I don't remember seeing Toure out there with the ones at all. He was certainly with the twos and threes today, but Davis has gotten a few looks with the ones already. So I, I, that's to me, that's a name to keep an eye on because if that's the kind of thing we talk about all the time, right? Where how these undrafted guys can make a case for themselves and make a play every day, put it on tape every day until eventually a coach, maybe Aaron Rodgers, says, let's give this guy a few more chances because every time we do, he's making a play. So to me, that's the one guy who I've kind of noticed, like just jumping out a little bit more than I expected, no doubt. Who's going to be the next Alan Lazard, basically? I mean, who knows? <laughs> who, I'm not saying that's the automatic you know, that is, path he's going to take, but you never know. I mean, obviously, I think it is there is something to be said for having someone in camp, though, who has taken that path to show anyone, no matter when you were drafted or if you weren't drafted, like this team will take care of you. This quarterback will advocate for you if you just give you chances. Right. The Packers do that as far as they have a a packet that they put out. I think the Seahawks do this as well, showing agents like the opportunities that are afforded undrafted free agents in their camps and like the number of times undrafted guys have made the 53, right? And the Seahawks and the Packers are both at the top of that list in the league. So yeah, to that point, like you got to feel good as an undrafted guy coming into Green Bay and knowing like, look, if I do the work and I make a play and I'm consistent and I don't make, and if I do make a mistake, I don't make the same one twice. You're going to get a fair shake. You're going to get opportunities. It's just up to you to do something with them. The Zach Tom stuff has been really interesting to me too, because when Perry and I gave our, like we didn't really call it an underdog episode, but players that we thought maybe would see the field more than we initially expected. Zach Tom was on there. And one of the the ways we talked about him was being that kind of interior because he played center in 2019. And, you know, I know he played left tackle in 2020 and 2020, 2021. So it makes sense that they would give him looks at left tackle. But, you know, one of my early thoughts was, well, if they're going to use Jake Hansen at guard, maybe they are going to give Zach Tom some looks at center with, Josh Myers having the kind of rookie season that he had. And then here right. he is taking one Playing snap left to left right. tackle. So it's like, right. all right, you know, he could be their next, uh, 
yeah. whoever. He's just, I, mean, I tell you what, I tell you what's so weird is that he does not look like a tackle. I mean, I know, yeah. like you said, yeah. he's played there the last couple of years, but man, he definitely looks like a guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, I do not see tackle when I look at him, but it doesn't matter if you're getting it done. I mean, it doesn't matter the, the you know, the, it's not a, it's not a Hollywood beauty contest. So <laughs> get out there and get it, get the job done. And so far, unpadded he's he's been he's been fine so yeah it it was a surprise there's no doubt about that I think the OL rotation isn't that much of a surprise to me there's so many spots that are up for grabs you know what I mean like especially with the injuries to we don't know about David right and so right tackle I mean who knows you feel like center and left guard are are pretty set those that's set that to me that that's been the same two guys all camp so far but but then there's three that's three spots that so they're gonna Packers are gonna move guys around and they're gonna see who's gonna slot in where best and they're also gonna see you know do we have the next swing Lucas Patrick type guy on the roster and if so like we probably want to keep him around so I think it's going to just be a rotation all the way through until the season starts. And hopefully, hopefully by that yeah. point. <laughs> and then they can set it left, at some point. Left right? tackle through center, that's set. And the rest of it, they have to figure out. But, yeah, but Jake, the Hanson thing is so weird, man. I can't. It is weird. I just don't, I've never seen it with him. And I know everyone talks about how he had a much better camp last year. But that's fine because he had a god-awful camp his first year. <laughs> so I hope he had a better camp last year. But I, I man, I don't, I don't know about all that. I, I watching the, because you know how we nerds are. Like I go back and I watch preseason from last year, because that's something you do. Uh, yeah, I don't, I just don't see it, man. But who knows? Who maybe he's developed and grown, and who you know done something as far as his uh, workout regimen and really gotten much stronger and better. And I don't know, but we'll we'll see. But he's getting work with the ones at, yeah. at this point. There's always like a shock on the offensive line too, where, you know, they keep like right. their nine or 10 guys and then right. there's a name that nobody thought. And, yep. you know, so I don't want to discredit this guy before he takes the field, but Cole Schneider wearing 64 at, when you're in green Bay and you are 64, it feels like you deserve to, to make the roster and his mustache <laughs> is just phenomenal. So I'm sure that will be taken into consideration <laughs> by Goody and company the, yeah, the, exactly. on their reports that they do at the end of every camp mustache check. Like, no doubt, no question. I mean, give him a worse number if you don't think he's got a shot, right? But to waste 64. Well, that's the Danny Davis. That. That's the Danny Davis. You give him exactly. 20? You give the poor guy a 20? Come on. Now. That was a cornerback number. It uh, is, exactly. Years. Yeah. So any anything else from the offense? Because I think going into this, everyone's like, ooh, the defense is going to be so much farther ahead than the offense. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading on Twitter that the offense looks great. And after the first day, Rodgers is like, you know, we're 1-0 and everything. So, I that mean, which great. we love to that hear. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the offense is going to look really different. Does it feel different without Devontae Adams? Like, is there a vibe that's – What's funny is that no, it's it's pretty similar as far as like the X's and O's and the operation, so to speak. Uh, I think I did tweet out the one thing yesterday where it was like Rogers adjusts the protection, takes the snap, hits the late crosser to Jawan Winfrey. Like the Jawan Winfrey part is the only part of that that is not normal, right? That we're not used to. But everything else has been the Packers offense. And look, we're still very early. It's install still. It's like there, there's no game planning. They're not even like really trying to do much against certain looks. Like they're legit just making sure everyone knows where the hell they're supposed to be on every play. But yeah, have Juwan Winfrey on the receiving end of some of these passes has been a bit kind of like a double take, but it looks like the Packers offense. Like other than, uh, you know, other than some of the personnel, you, they're, they're doing the same stuff. 
and Jordan Love. Jordan Love looks crisp as hell. Man, at this point, but I know he kind of is. But I tell you what, he looks crisp as hell. Uh, I did say um, somebody that, like, I think on the sideline today, like, he's good for one real head scratching throw every single practice. Like, just one throw that like flutters a little bit, or you just like lofts it a little too much, or I'm just like. I don't understand that. Like he shows that he can do it he, when he plays in rhythm, which is almost all of the time. He looks really good. Like he rips it and he, he has got some really nice zip on the ball. He does a good job finding his, you know, his reads getting off the initial read if he's covered, blah, blah, blah. He hit Toure on a post corner today. That was gorgeous. Perfectly placed in the back of the end zone. Like he does all that, but then he has one throw where it's just like, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> so I don't know. That's probably, probably just, you know, young kid still hasn't really played a ton, but there was, I will say, uh, probably my favorite play from him so far in camp. They were doing red zone yesterday. In the very last play, he had a throw where um, I think Goodson was the back who leaked out into the right flat. And it was one of these, you know, he's in gun and he gets the ball and he's got to fire it right away. Like that's the design of the play. It's meant to go to the back. It's not a check down, right? And he threw it. And the placement on it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, if you're a, a, like a quarterback connoisseur, right, it was, exa- it was teaching tape. As far as putting it in a spot where the running back doesn't have to break stride, he can just grab it, turn up field, and go, which is exactly what happened, and Goodson scores a touchdown in the play. It's exactly as it's drawn up, right? And that's the kind of thing where people want the, the 60-yard rainbow ball. They want the big plays, but – that's a play that produces a touchdown where if that throw is off even a little bit, it gives the defense time to catch up. The, the running back probably has to adjust and has to slow down, et cetera. It was an absolutely perfect throw. And that's running the offense, right? That's the efficiency that you're looking for. He's done that. that he does that every practice. So, yeah, to me, Jordan Love looks, looks pretty good. Like. I think this is the year that everyone's saying, oh, well, in year three, like that was when we mm-hmm. saw the jump from Rodgers and then the preseason. And I think that's fair. I I think it's unfair to put those same expectations on Jordan because they're completely different players. And yeah, it is and it isn't though, right? Because you but, are the first round pick that they took when you had Aaron Rodgers. And at some point you've got to show that you're developing. Well, I was going to ask, right? like, do you, does it feel like he, because Matt LaFleur had said like Jordan has just come in and he just feels like he's at another level now, like his mm-hmm. understanding of it all. He's obviously been in the system for a while now. Does it, I guess we won't really know until he steps on the field. for. Pre-season. You got to see the preseason, stuff, it? right? Yeah. But I will say he looks comfortable as hell. He looks like he's in command in a way he certainly wasn't that first summer. I mean, uh, you know, without an off season program at all that first year, that first camp was hard to watch at times, you know, and I don't think that's unexpected, but he is in command of the offense. And that's the other thing. I mean, you got to love the fact that he's been in the same system his entire NFL career. How many times have we seen guys, I mean, who come into the league, even highly touted ones who go through one, two, three different systems in their first four years or so. Like, look at Trevor Lawrence is already out of a, you know, whatever system he was in last year. And he's in a new system with Doug Peterson this year, you know, the field is another perfect example. Like these guys go through all these offensive systems like candy. And it's like Jordan being able to be in the same system for three years in a row should only help him. And like I said, like right now he looks like he is comfortable and in command of everything being asked. 
This, you know, it might take us a little bit away from camp, but I'm just really curious both of your thoughts on this because I think the narrative surrounding the Packers has kind of changed. And, you know, um, RG3 had a really interesting tweet thread about this a couple of days ago, but the idea that the Packers makeup has changed without Devonte Adams and looking at, you know, being a defense team. And you can argue right. that as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you're never going to be a defensive first team. And, you know, sometimes all it takes is a quarterback upgrade to get you to the Super Bowl. Circa Rams, whatever your, you know, insert team here that had a better quarterback and got where they needed to go. But I think what this team has done that's been so interesting, and Perry and I have talked about it on the show, is that a lot of the investments, yes, there were some on the offense, but it's a lot of young players on offense. And what they've done is built a defense that will be sustainable for the next four to six years. So if Jordan Love does take over, whether it's next season, whatever happens with Rodgers down the line, the defense feels like it'll be the core nucleus of what this team is. And the offense can have growing pains and still be productive without putting up 30 points. So is that, I mean, is that making sense? You know, where this team is heading in the direction? I think so. And I think part of it, I mean, I don't know if it's a conscious thing about wanting to bridge the gap with defense, right? I think obviously you want whoever takes over next, whether it's Jordan Love or someone else, to be successful and to be a very good quarterback. Of course you do, right? Right. Now, the idea that you're going to hit three Hall of Famers in a row is uh, patently absurd. (laughs) No one expects that to happen. But I think more than just focusing on, quote, defense, I think Brian overall has tried to build a more physical team and a team that can play a little tougher. Like you look at, yes, the additions on defense, but the drafting of how many offensive linemen for the last two years, you know, the drafting of A.J. Dillon at, in the second round a couple of years ago. I just think he wants a bit bit of a tougher team than probably Ted was putting together under Mike for all those years. And I think part of that is probably just Brian's kind of personal preference of how he wants to build his team. But I also think part of it is a reaction to we've got an older quarterback. We've got mm-hmm. a guy who it's not 2016 anymore. You know, it's not this game where he can just let him go five wide and let him run around and he's going to make amazing plays and don't worry about it right like you've got to be ready for a little less mobility a little more of a running game yes play tougher defense especially hopefully it like pays off down the stretch in the colder months but I do think Brian yeah has had this idea of I want to build a stronger tougher team and yes led by defense or offense, whatever, but that can just kind of punch back when they're Mm -hmm. hitting the mouth, as opposed to some of the teams in Green Bay that we've seen over the last decade have certainly not done that. No, I don't have anything to add. I think Aaron said it well. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, we're not at this point, so I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole because I do want to hear about the defense, but, like, (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see how this team jumps when quarterbacks do change right because they have never that thing around right like you have built something around Aaron Rodgers like Aaron said that is you know he's not this mobile guy anymore who's like running outside the pocket and making these incredible throws which he can do every once in a while but you're actually actively trying to keep him in the pocket and make plays in rhythm because he's been amazing at that and I think also like the league is going towards like much more like physically aggressive more just like versatile athletes that you're just throwing out there who can do multiple things. These wide receivers who are kind of like tight ends and these running backs. Who That's such a good point too. Like the Guara is like a example there, right? Like linebackers, like right. the Bucks had a couple of seasons ago when they won the Super Bowl, And just like, these are just guys who you can throw out there. You just say like, just go make plays. Mm-hmm. So I think there, it's also like where the league is going, but 
That's a good point, especially when you think about the idea of the offense and how it differs from what they were doing under McCarthy. Like Mike, you know, and Aaron obviously loved a lot of that stuff because they've held some of that over. But, you know, so much spread, so many wide receivers, whereas now instead of spreading it all out, there's so much condensed and there's so much kind of motion and stuff working intricately inside the hashes even like that's it's a much different game and you've got to be able to be physical in that regard because you got to be able to move people out you got to be able to spring your running back or your wide receiver on a screen or whatever like you've got to be able to be physical in that regard rather than okay i'm going to spread it out i'm going to get my guy in space i'm going to let him kind of operate as an athlete yeah and i mean i think it's really interesting too and then we can definitely switch to the defense but just the last <laughs> observation that this made me think of is like if you're looking at mike mccarthy losing a Devonte adams i think that would have been crippling to somebody who plays 11 personnel like you Very said it spreads agree. the ball out but when yes. you've got matt lafleur who you know built entire schemes around pony package and you know things well, like we saw some pony today three, by the way you guys i, I thought of you guys you would have getting it. three tight ends on the field like you can make up for that and that's not to say the wide receiver room is like you know at a it there's no replacing Devonte adams we've said that ad nauseum but right. you know the pieces that matt lafleur has to work with in the way that he runs his scheme is so much different than I think what Packers fans are used to with having a number one wide receiver and a spread offense. So yes, you know, this is the third year now with LaFleur and we can have different expectations or fourth year, but I think it's just, it's very different, you know, what our expectations should be for how he's going to use his pieces versus maybe what we would think an Aaron Rodgers led offense under a guy like Mike McCarthy would look like. Couldn't agree more. It's perfectly stated actually. Well done. All right, Perry, who do you want to hear about on defense? I know everybody. Everybody. I'll start start with the guy who was out first today. Jair Alexander has been out first every single day. The first one on the field every single day. And he looks like he's got to get his meditation in before everyone else is there. Absolutely. And like yesterday he was out there with Savage, like working on releases today. He was just out by himself stretching, but he's always the first one out there. It's great. We love a work ethic. I think this season is going to be really cool to see some of the guys who we still, in my mind, still think of as rookies who aren't mm-hmm. rookies. who are now leaders on this team, like Jair and Rashawn Gary, and just the way they like set the tone for no doubt. the rest right. of the way the guys work. I mean, Matt said it this morning, right, that Rashawn's a tone setter. Um, Very much. I feel, I think it's been interesting to see how they've been using some of the rookies in terms of who's running with the ones and twos. And I know that that, might not really mean anything, but Quay is obviously like straight with the ones, right? Chris Barnes, sorry, Quay has surpassed you now on this depth chart. Oh yeah, there's 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 no doubt there. Although but Barnes Wyatt, was Barnes was running with all the one special teams today, so I think his roster spot secured. That's good. But Wyatt hasn't really gotten that time when it comes to the oh, yeah. line, so off there. But I think it'll be interesting once pads come on because, like, look, we haven't, you know seen them do anything yet across either line. And I think all it's going to take is why like having one quick first step, destroying, blowing up a play and maybe doing it once or twice more for him to start getting the call up front. And I know he did get the call. Literally. I think Andy Herman said during OTAs or minicamp, there was a practice where they legit took him from the twos and brought him to the ones. So maybe that happens sooner rather than later, but yeah, I mean, with the lines, it's impossible. You know, there, there's no hitting going on. There's, they're barely playing patty cake out there. So, there that with that, I, I what I found interesting is that Razul has been coming in as the nickel, right? And mm-hmm. Perry, you and I talked about this on the video chat we did prior to me coming to camp. But like, 
it is that's been strictly it. Now, it is install stuff, right? So it's there's again, there's no game planning, there's no real kind of kind of rhyme or reason as far as like who's out there the longest or what have you. But it has been interesting to see how set they've been so far in, and I emphasize so far with Jair and Stokes as your perimeter guys, Mm -hmm. like that has been locked solid on lock the entire time. Like they played a little more uh, nickel today when they were doing the walkthrough stuff. But for the most part, most of the team kind of quote unquote full speed stuff we've seen, it's been Jair and Stokes. And as I said on Twitter, Stokes versus Dobbs has been one of the highlights of camp for me. Like Stokes has had so many was, was what sucks for a defensive player obviously is like you make a ton of plays that where the ball doesn't go to you, right? Well, there were a number of times where I saw Stokes completely blanket Dobbs, but all Dobbs has to do is catch that one touchdown pass, which was amazing, by the way. And everyone freaks out and is like, oh my God, Dobbs is amazing, right? But And Stokes is in coverage, but it's just an amazing play by the rookie. Yeah. But for the most part, Stokes does such a good job of like little things like using his sideline as leverage and blanketing his guy and making sure that he can't get a release up the field or not, but he's allowed up the field, but he can't get back inside. Right. Like just those little things that that's just the, all the invaluable kind of experience that Stokes got last year on display early in the summer. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been pretty much so far and it's like I said, been pretty vanilla, but so far it's been exactly what we, pretty much all guessed throughout the offseason as far as Barry, as you were saying, quite a lot of Quay Walker. Um, when he goes off the field, Rasul comes in, but then up front, it's been you know, Kenny and Dean. It's like old times and Reed's been out there when they've gone three man line, but there's old been, there, yeah, there, there's been, there just hasn't been much of, there just hasn't been much su- surprising going on there because it's pretty much playing out yeah. as we all suspected it would. I will say this, this is by far, and I can't even compare it to anything else, the most physical I've seen the defensive backs Love it. this early in camp in, like, the 20-plus years I've been watching training camp. Can you like, see the twinkle in my eye? I mean, I'm serious. Like, and it's not, it's not dirty stuff. It's not like it's just going after the ball. Like, they have a right to the ball. Um, Dobbs called it his welcome to the NFL moment yesterday where, you know, he's running a slant on the backside. Rodgers hits him real quick, and Savage – blew him up and I'm not using that term lightly and it's not again it's not a dirty hit he's going for the ball Savage broke on the football and just arrived at the right time at the same time Dobbs did a great job holding on to it but there have been like four or five plays both of the high you know regular speed practices where a defensive back is just like no hesitation to just go in there and go for the football. And sometimes the play gets made. Sometimes the offensive player catches it. But I'm telling you, that's a different mentality than I ever remember seeing, especially in shorts. I think <laughs> I think Josh Jones got like like thrown out of practice for one of these. I remember years that, ago. actually. You know? I think that was him, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so it's just – it's that has been – a bit eye-opening. That was that's been definitely a little different. Yeah, couple things about that. I first love hearing that the wide receivers or any of the offensive playmakers are actually making plays because when you hear that they're doing that against the Packers secondary, who are not like giving them anything, that no, gives me right. more confidence. That yeah. right? Because when you hear about Dobbs making that great touchdown i'm like i'm not worried about stokes i don't think that no. says anything about no, that's life of that's the life of a corner right it just You're says get- no i don't even mean that i just mean like for me i'm like i know stokes is going to go out there on game day and he's gonna be fine yeah 
for me, it actually gives me more confidence in Dobbs as a player than it says anything to me about Eric Stokes and like how he's going to be in year two. Um, And secondly, I mean, like I said, like this is kind of a tone setter secondary, right? This is a secondary that's being actually talked about around the league as being Mm -hmm. essentially one of the best in the league. And so you want them to kind of like bring that, gravitas if you will with them everywhere right. they go well so. it's funny too because like i was legit next to aaron when he was giving stokes grief about the offenses want to know right and that's when i tweeted that out and you definitely could tell that the secondary was not having that on day two in the red zone work I, there was nowhere to go with the ball like there the rogers has to make an absolutely perfect throw for that dobbs touchdown and he does hit dobbs um for the final play td against uh Devondre Campbell on a quick out. But more often than not, the quarterbacks are back there patting the ball, patting the ball. Aaron twice ran it in, quote-unquote, where he would have been hit. He would have been sacked, but he's got the red jersey on, so they can't touch him. Um, yeah, there's a number of plays. That secondary is just on lockdown. Like, there's nowhere to go with it. And that's exciting. Like That gets me going. Like That idea that you, you can maybe move the ball a little bit, but when you get down here, we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna lock you down because we all know the struggles they had in that regard, especially early last year. To see them really stiffen up in the red zone was pretty exciting. Has there been any? I mean, I know we've seen a lot of different nickel packages. You know, with with Douglas being kind of the surprise as that uh, the slot corner, but have they done any dime? Has there been like a Sean Davis or anyone that's kind of come out? A yet, little bit, been... yeah, a little bit. And Sean actually has gotten. He is the, the guy. I was going to ask regard. who the sixth was. He 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 was in there, and I want to say I want to say somebody else too. But it was mo- the one I the most that I've seen is Sean Davis. Okay, has been, that's, has been that's kind of what we thought. But they haven't done it. They haven't done a ton of extensive dime stuff. Like it's been a lot of nickel so far. And again, that's it's, it's undoubtedly what they're working on install right. wise. They're probably just trotting out base and just building off of a lot of that. that. A lot of that. Another year of Joe Barry. We yeah, I talked. Joe Barry that. and I had a nice chat on the sideline yesterday. Oh yeah, what do you have to say? <laughs> we talked about our kids. It was Aww. Great. Nice. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm excited for him. Obviously, I I love the idea that this guy was so. I don't want to say maligned, but. He was definitely the target was on his back, right? When yeah. he was hired, and and to see him really kind of put together something pretty decent. Now, the Packers' defense was not lights out last year, but we all saw what they did in the playoffs. So you get very excited about that. I'm so excited for this guy to be able to kind of be a success story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you just you know, the cliche last summer, like every single player talking about his energy. It never wavers. He's like every day. Let's go. Take that ball away. Let's go. Time to get out. Time to be great. Like he's just always. He's just not. He's never great. not on. Like it's just who he is. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what the scheme can do. Developing with the players on hand, especially the Quay Walker edition. I think that changes a lot. It changes a lot of what you can do as far as not only mixing and matching your personnel, but we did see him start to get a little creative last year pressure package wise until Jair got hurt. And that kind of took a lot of that away. I'm excited to see what Quay Walker on the field, a year of Jair, a little bit more pressure up front, cooking with gas. I'm excited. Yeah. Especially knowing that inside linebackers, Joe Barry's bread and butter and, you know, he got a Super Bowl ring out of it. Um, Speaking of the other coach that won a Super Bowl ring with Joe Barry, another new addition, Rich Passaccia. 
What uh, what's he been like? Because I've seen all over Twitter that there has never been this much special teams practice, literally ever. And uh... yeah, there was there was <laughs> quite a bit today, but it was you know the walkthrough thing, so right. that, that's I guess understandable. I, I'll say this: uh, more personal interactions. Rich Passaccio almost ran me over with his bicycle this morning coming out of Lambo. <laughs> um, but it was I saw him afterwards, and we said hello, and he was as vocal as advertised, but nothing fiery today. I think because it was half speed stuff, but. Um, yeah, there, it's certainly, um, the first extensive special teams work we've seen We, you know, the local beat scrambling to see who's on which, <laughs> who's with the ones on coverage, who's with the ones on return and blah, blah, blah. But, um, to me, the kind of, maybe not surprised, but what was interesting is seeing Aaron Jones out there as kick returner. That they is were, interesting. They were, they were rolling him, they rolled him out there. Um, Rico Gafford got a look, um, and of course, Amari and Randall and a couple other people. Randall was on punts only; he wasn't on kick return. But yeah, definitely looking to, I guess, turn over every single rock, looking for somebody who can return the football. No doubt about it. Why not? I mean, I mean you have to, right? literally, why? What do you have to lose? This is my thing, well, because everybody like my Twitter blew up about the Aaron Jones thing because always going to get hurt. And could he get hurt? Sure, he could get hurt literally on any play on the football field. Mm -hmm. And I am sick and tired of just wanting competence on special teams. I want to make plays on teams. I want to win games on special teams. You know how you do that? Get the ball in your best player's hands. You know who that is? Aaron Jones. So I'm fine with it. There's something really fun about Rico Gafford running a 4-2-2 and thinking about him. That's the thing, right? It was funny. I was talking to, that's why I was talking to Doherty about it on the sideline today. I said, I mean, you love the speed, right? I think he ran a four two, et cetera. And he mm-hmm. goes, Yeah, I looked it up. He's had one return in his entire career. I'm like, Yeah, like it's not all right. Well, you're trying something though, well right? Try. Also, I love that Maggie knows his 40 time. Of like course she does. Of course. Shout out Maggie for your insane. Steel trap Maggie. That's, she sees the 40 time once. It's uh, in there forever. All right. We are almost at an hour, which is not that surprising at all because I knew we'd have so much to talk about. So before we let you go, just like Biggest takeaway. I know it's only been a week and three practices, two and a half, like you said. Just like what's you're you're walking away, you're walking into Monday's practice thinking what from this week? It's been uh, nice to be back, obviously, but I think more than anything, it's th- that this is the, the team that we all thought it was going to be uh, throughout the offseason, right? Like you get here and you maybe something pops out at you like, ooh, I don't know about that, but you know. Th- you can't really answer any questions until the pads come on or even start answering questions until the pads come on. But as far as how they're going to operate, like the, how the pieces are going to fit, it's pretty much what we've been talking about all off season. And it's nice to see it kind of start to kind of rumble to life, so to speak. Right. Long way to go. No question about it. But yeah, to me, it's like what we were talking about, like Quay Walker, certainly going to be a big part of things like Romeo Dobbs. A lot of people all off season have been saying like, I wouldn't be surprised if he made an instrument contribution well so far so good in that regard like yeah. it's just a lot of a lot of priors being confirmed so far early in camp no question cool maggie yeah, yeah i mean i i don't really have anything from not being there but i think to me the nice thing is you know there was a lot of speculation about 
what the future of the team looks like with the additions and the subtractions. And, you know, I think basically we've just seen that the Packers are still committed to winning. They're committed to winning now, and they're also committed to winning later. And they've done like a really perfect blend of making this team as successful as possible for the moment, but also ensuring that the window is propped open instead of saying, okay, well, this window is about to slam. So we right. better Isn't it crazy you know, get too? through it. After all the consternation about the salary cap heading into the off season and their <laughs> gnashing of teeth. And now they sit here, I think very much a Super Bowl contender mm-hmm. and like in the top 10, maybe even the top five with salary cap room. Yeah, don't about 16 million or something like yeah. that right now. Like, yeah. Shout out Russ Ball. Shout out the miracle worker, Russ Ball. That's all I have to say. Yeah, and shout out to him and Good and Matt LaFleur getting contract extensions with Absolutely. literally zero negative fanfare. Like, I love how you hear – we'll wrap with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I love how you hear about, like, oh, like Steve Kime and, like, whatever. All these right. people – I don't know why that name just came to mind. But, like, the card – you're right. He got an extension. thing right, right. about, like, these big extensions and Matt LaFleur's like, I don't really want to talk about that. Like, no. I wasn't surprised <laughs> at all. I wasn't surprised at all. And Goody even said, like, you know, the reason they didn't announce it is because I didn't want them to. Like, he's yeah. so – well, I, I was talking to somebody with the Packers yesterday, and we were like, man, Brian is so much more like Ted – than I ever expected. Like we were all like, how is he going to be as GM? And it's like, he's clearly been a little bit different, especially when it comes to free agency, et cetera. But man, he's got a lot of Ted in him. No he's doubt. Gen Z Ted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Gen Z Ted. I like Love it. it. Uh, all right, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy hearing about camp. Cause most of us are just like dying to be there in person. And we get, no well, you'll video. be here soon. You'll be here um, soon. We will be there soon, but we appreciate you. Anything coming up that you want to let the folks who are listening know to check you out, follow oh, you. Which yeah, pretty sure most people know, but yeah. you know, just make sure you're checking out the YouTube channel. I'm doing chats, live chats before every open practice and after every open practice. And, uh, you know, cheese at DV, keeping you abreast of everything going on here in green Bay, Wisconsin. Love it. Love it. Yeah. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Follow the podcast, please, on Twitter at VWSS podcast at PAX, what she said. And get your merch at the cheese at TV store. That's what she said. Right Please, here, we got we got a mouth to feed coming soon. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> an extra. Uh, Perry's cat needs food, so just you know, keep those things in mind. But thank Love you, it. as always, for listening to the show. Go pack, go. Go pack, go. Go pack. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the ten, and he is in for the touchdown. The title is back in town. The Green Bay Packers. Are-